So one thing I say ad nauseum to the team is that we are all marketers. So right now we're in a position where it's not just what is Lacey doing on the marketing side of things. It really is about cross-team collaboration and engaging sales, engaging customer success, engaging product, and getting them into the mindset that we are all a piece of this puzzle and we all can do something every day to move this forward in regards to marketing and our, our and awareness across our industry. You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there, to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industry. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. And today I'm with Lacey Miller. And Lacey is the new head of marketing at LoudCrowd. And she's had a great, interesting career up until now. And we're going to hear all about user-generated content. So Lacey, welcome to the show. I am really excited to be here and really excited to kind of talk to you guys about my path and what we're doing here at LoudCrowd. We are early stage and we are just in the weeds and in the thick of it. So love it. <laughs> One time. Lacey, you shared with me in, in our in our pre-chat that this is quite a uh, this is quite a milestone for you in your career because up until now you've been really in an expert role or an individual contributor role, doing various types of marketing and sharpening your sword. And now you're in a leadership role and you're elevated to the head of marketing in a really hot SaaS startup and managing teams and, and overseeing lots of processes, I imagine. Can you tell us a little bit about how that transition has been for you? Man, so it's been a really incredible kind of ride. Um, I had my first successful exit with a startup a few years ago, and that really gave me the network potential to continue to build on my career. And so it's been interesting to see everyone kind of move on, uh, create a path for themselves, and build new companies. And so that is really what happened here at LoudCrowd. I have some previous colleagues who started something here and they, uh, you know, we did it at Trinkite. We're going to do it again for Loud Crowd. And so they brought me in and the excitement was tangible. And, you know, it's been really fun to kind of not just be a leader of a, a team or marketing, but the whole company, uh, which has been a great opportunity. That's great. And what? how would you compare the experience of, of- being in a managerial or leadership role versus being more of the individual contributor? What are some of the major differences you're experiencing? So one thing I say ad nauseum to the team is that we are all marketers. So right now we're in a position where it's not just what is Lacey doing on the marketing side of things. It really is about cross-team collaboration and engaging sales, engaging customer success, engaging product and getting them into the mindset that we are all a piece of this puzzle and we all can do something every day to move this forward in regards to marketing and our, our and awareness across our industry. Great. 
So loud crowd is all about user-generated content. And in my experience, this is always a sleeping giant. I think so many companies don't realize the power of their customers and their audiences. And this is, this is not influencer marketing. This is about harnessing your current customers who, who know you and love you already and just getting them to talk more. This is that bubble of the earned media that I think is the most fuzzy for people. We all know what owned is. That's your website and your, you know, your CRM and your databases and your email lists. We know what paid is. That's obvious. But this earned bubble has always been a little bit fuzzy, and I want to dig into this. You posted something really interesting on LinkedIn recently comparing how B2B user-generated content differs from B2C UGC. Uh, can you explain that a little bit? So my, my career has always been B2B. I've worked in SaaS technology companies, and I've always been selling to other businesses. At LabCrowd, I kind of have the opportunity to still be B2B, but I'm selling to companies who are B2C or D2C, direct-to-consumer. And so I started thinking about how that translates. And I am very familiar with customer review sites, uh, G2, TrustRadius, Captera, you know, you go, you set, you can set up a free account, you can kind of get things going for your company, set up a presence, but then you, you really need to go to your customer base and ask for those reviews, ask for those ratings to really get anything out of websites like that. You know, the yeah. SEO is great that comes from it. The traffic to your website is great. And so as B2B marketers, we're, we're pretty used to that. We understand that there's a there's kind of a perfect time when you start to get traffic that then you start to pay for that traffic, right? You start to pay to optimize that channel. And so it's the same for B2C or D2C companies. It's just that their customer reviews are this user generated content and it's happening for free all over the place. And I think that's the most incredible moment when we demo prospects is showing them like, did you know that you have a hundred tags from the past month for people who love you, um, have been wearing your brand, have worn your brand alongside maybe competitors or maybe um, you know some other brand that you emulate. And so it's the same concept. You set up your free social media accounts, you track them, and then at some point you get to that perfect, that sweet spot of traffic from social and you, you say, okay, we're going to put budget dollars behind this. We're going to start to grow this and we're going to bring people in because it's, you know, just by gifting or tagging, reposting your customers, you're going to get 80 to hundred percent more content from them. You mm -hmm. wouldn't believe what people do just for the recognition of Hey, Lacey, that was a great post in our shirt. Like, we loved it. That's it. You know, Just it's the acknowledgement. Know that you're listening to them, right? Yeah. Yes. And what, what kind of numbers do you think? Um, so th this is relevant, uh, certainly relevant for direct-to-consumer and for B2C, but, but also in some cases for B2B. Do you also see use cases where people can do better at leveraging user-generated content through social media channels? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Um, LinkedIn just launched kind of their video that you do almost like an Instagram story. And yeah. no one's touched it. 
so we've been using video through LabCrowd, our, our LinkedIn uh, page, and we're usually the only bubble at the top of the screen. So you've got to check that yeah. out on the mobile app for LinkedIn. But it gives you like a great moment to just, you know, talk about uh, a great experience you had with a, another software company or with your CRM or some of these simplistic things, you know, as marketers, sometimes, especially when you get in a leadership role, like I'm the head of the pack, you know, I'm not learning from another marketer anymore. And so I've got to stay in tune with what my colleagues are doing. And sometimes mm -hmm. the best way to do that is to provide user generated content on what I'm doing and then to see other people doing the same thing. You know, we're mm -hmm. doing it in Slack groups. We should be doing it across social. Uh, one of the yeah. most fun parts of this job right now is that every Thursday, my team gets together and does TikTok happy hour, where we talk about, you know, we poke fun at influencer marketing a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And we talk about what we're doing here. And some of my friends and colleagues uh, are excited to watch it because they're like, now I understand what you do for work. <laughs> right. And that can be a really powerful, powerful medium as well. And so yeah. you can, you can definitely take kind of, see what consumers are doing and then translate that on the business side as well. People mm -hmm. like to have fun. We see it at conferences. So it's just about changing things up and being a leader for yeah. marketing trends and kind of what's next. That is so interesting what you just said, because my whole context of user, user generated content is, is taking, but not giving. And what you just said is that we also, as brands, we need to give it back. We need to be getting on LinkedIn and doing these new LinkedIn stories I think, by the way, this might be this might be still one of the best pieces of real estate in B two B marketing because there's no competition, like you said, yes. bubble at the top. I, I've been messing around. I need to get back into it. But that aside, um, if yeah, giving back, and at some point with all the slack and all the internal meetings, and now we're recording all the meetings. At some point, I'm scratching my head and thinking. Should we just take this recording where we had this really deep discussion? Maybe we can edit out any sensitive parts, but can we just put that out there to the world? Because actually there was some great stuff there that was just shared. And at what point do we now start to, to just to share and a lot of our documented day? If I'm, the, I mean, this podcast, it was such an easy thing for me to transition into because I, I just talk all day long anyway. I'm thinking, why can't I just open up to a bigger audience? I mean, because... A lot of the times I say things and I think, oh, that, that was pretty cool. And I need a bigger audience to hear that. And, you know, hence the podcast came to life. But I think that's, that's a really interesting point is that user-generated content for brands is not just something that you tap into and you take, but that you can create and give back to, to your community. And I think it's really important as a marketer to just, what is the ask? You know, what do you want me to do? The simplicity, the brands who get the most user-generated content just ask for it. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, here's a tag. Uh, let us know what you're doing, what you're wearing, how how you're using XYZ. Like, we want to hear about it too. And, I mean, the power of going on LinkedIn and saying, hey, I've started this new company or I've created this new .org. We all follow the page because it's going to help me do XYZ. It's going to help me garner a you know better digital presence whatever it is and it's just the ask and so i mean yeah and mm -hmm. linkedin their videos they want them to be 20 seconds long so think about that think about kind of forcing yourself to get a point across in 20 seconds like mm -hmm. that's it it cuts you off 
And so you're, you're better at being concise. You're, you're better at getting, um, you know, your elevator pitch. Got yeah. 20 seconds. And so it's just good practice. I think it's um, short because an elevator pitch, they used to say that was a minute, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so is... the minute-long elevator pitch is gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just straight, straight to the value prop, and then, and then you're done. 20 seconds goes by quick. Yeah. And um, I, I did a – I sat on um, just a discussion with Vidyard and their chief marketing officer – and he said when he first took on that job, he was very uncomfortable in front of the camera. That was not his gig or where he wanted to be. And his boss would sit and like throw things at him. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of like lighten up, just be real. Uh, we call it authentic in my in my CMO coffee talk uh, Slack group because uh-huh. that's that's what people want to see. They want to see authenticity, and that is where you know that's where user generated content is now at the forefront as. And it's kind of kicking influencer marketing to the side because I don't want to see somebody you paid 50 grand to pretend to drink your soda. You know, I want to see my friend or somebody who is a real advocate for you, like an actual social advocate um, Mm -hmm. using your brand. And so not all of us are made for cameras and videos, but we can do it. You know, it's just, you've got to have a little bit of fun with it. The thing that I've always found was fatally flawed with influencer marketing is that the massive audiences that you can reach are, are just not the right audiences. Why would I want to reach uh, 5 million fans of, of a TikTok celebrity when th- this is to my, totally the wrong audience? I mean, you're just chasing big numbers where if I can harness maybe 50 of my most passionate customers, well, all of their friends and all their connections are presumably these are also people like them that I want to reach and I want to sell to. And it might be a, a, a fraction of the size of the audience, but the quality is so much better. So you're, first of all, you have an authentic person who has really used and genuinely likes the product or loves it. And that's going to come across. And secondly, the, the audience quality is so much better, but you probably just need to harness more of that. I mean, you can't just rely on one or two, like with one big influencer, but you've got to get Maybe you've got to get a few dozen or maybe, I don't know, maybe a few hundred, depending on what kind of business you're in. Well, and it kind of goes back to the, oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, please. You go. It goes back to the give. And sometimes the give is just kudos. Thank you. Um, And sometimes the give is a free product, a free trial. Um, Maybe you give them a little bit more of your subscription-based service, your product, whatever it may be. Um, but the give then becomes an easy way for them to say, you know, I've been using HubSpot CRM and it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then they gave me just a little bit more for free. And now I'm addicted to that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. People write and talk about these things. Um, I, one of the questions that gets asked in my CMO group all the time, we have a channel for feedback. Hey, I'm going to XYZ conference. How did it go for you? Are you doing virtual conferences? What's the best thing to do? Like these are all UGC. These are all things that become a referral review network um, that big brands and companies can nurture, you know, mm-hmm. and and give people um, ways to answer those questions or ways to talk to the market about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about a little bit of the analytical side here. And I imagine that people that are exploring this and maybe they're going to they're gonna do user-generated content for the first time, 
certainly some somebody in the finance department is going to ask, oh, all right, what, what, what kind of ROI would you project? And how does that match up to our Google ads ROI or our Facebook ads ROI or I don't know what else? Um, but you've got proven paid channels that deliver, that deliver a return on ad spend. You can measure that and it's scalable. And then someone comes in and says, no, but we're ignoring this user-generated content piece. Can you walk us through how you would explain to a prospect who's skeptical and who has to answer to their CFO about how is this projected ROI going to beat our current channels? How do, you, how do you have that conversation with a prospect? I think it starts with talking about earned media and the way that we've assigned a revenue value to earned media. And so you kind of start with that conversation and then it becomes the same. But the best part about user generated content and all the analytics that we have is you start to tie it to actual revenue. Um, Somebody who will tag you in a post is 30 percent more likely to purchase from you again. Right. So Mm -hmm. the math starts to add up. Now, I will say it's very manual if you're doing it without a platform, right? Like this is this is my elevator pitch in in this. You can go on to LinkedIn or Instagram and you can kind of start counting tags and figuring out things through some hashtags and doing some rough estimates. But you really need a platform to go in who's going to pull in all of that data and then attach that number to it and show you kind of your increases in revenue, your increases in customer loyalty, um, you know, the top 1% of your brand's social advocates create 15 to 20% of your content. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you're also getting a plethora of content that you can use like a repository. Um, and so you're not paying for a photo shoot with a photographer and all this other stuff, you've got actual customers who are taking beautiful mm-hmm. photos. We have an incredible camera in our hand. Um, so yeah. you're, you're kind of getting into the content side and then the earned media side on one, if I can get 500 of my greatest customers to post where the, the eyeballs are exponential. All of a sudden it's, a million and a half eyeballs and the engagement has gone up 300% and mm-hmm. I've got that attached to my e-commerce website and I can now track that I just got, you know, a 30% um, spike today. And it's because of this incredible program I ran just with my customers by asking for a post. Yeah. And do you have any, any hard statistics about revenue uplift for companies that let's say, if you if you can tap into a UGC audience of a certain size with or a certain number a certain number of advocates with collectively a certain size of audience, this might translate to X percent revenue uplift. Do you have any statistics based on actual customer data that you can that you can provide to prospects to make a slam dunk case? I mean, so the Short answer is yes. The longer answer is it is so based on industry. And it's incredible because we even look at the UGC for the technology industry. Um, Adobe is killing it. They don't have to post anything. Their creators are constantly posting their own beautiful images and then tagging Adobe. So the creative suite is selling itself just Mm -hmm. on UGC. Um, But they... You know, for kind of the technology side of things, you're looking at 30 to 100 UGC posts a month. When you get into apparel, you're looking at tens of thousands of posts a month. So it varies so much by industry. But Mm -hmm. some of the 
fastest growing brands right now, um, Gymshark, Supreme, who is acquired by LVMH, uh, Fashion Nova, they're growing faster than anybody else in their industries because they're tapping into UGC, because they're allowing their customers to be the content creator, uh, the PR person, um, the customer referral network. And it's just, once again, it's a simple ask, but the numbers really change um, industry to industry. But we have seen, and I mentioned it earlier, I'll repeat that again, uh, I apologize, but we have seen just by gifting or tagging your customer, you're going to get 80 to 100% more UGC from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like that's and that's across industries. Um, and so that's that, really where the measurement comes in. Is that where you generally advise people to start? This is step one. Just say thank you. Just say thank you. And we heard you. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the greatest part of our um, our sales process. Like the consultative resource that starts from the first phone call is mm-hmm here are the best practices. Like, here's what we're seeing. Because at the end of the day, if you succeed, then loud crowd succeeds. So we're, you know, the Santa Claus. Um, if, mm-hmm. you know, here's, here's how they're doing it really well. Here's how they're doing it really well. These are best practices. And so the data that we get across industry and across customer brands is incredible because we get to see them pull the lever and it spike. And mm-hmm. so that is where it does become, it's a digital marketing channel. Now you can control it, you can grow it, you can analyze it and it sits right up there with your other performance marketing metrics. Yeah. And once you get to a, a stage like an Adobe, I know that that's not easy to do, but that just becomes, that just becomes a flywheel. And then you almost just get out of the way. huh? I mean, that that community then is that, that's a very completely self-sustaining flywheel. Yeah. You just have to maybe monitor it, police it a little bit, make sure people are acting nice, behaving. <laughs> but you at some point you really don't have to keep prodding that community. They they just they're so motivated. And I guess that's that's the ultimate, you know, where where UGC can go. Because then forget about trying to calculate ROI. I mean your cost is next to nil, so it's practically just you know, all, all that is just, is just icing on the cake. Um, and I guess that's, yes. that's the opportunity. <laughs> At least that's what you can strive for. And in the beginning, maybe you have to, you have to assign a team, you have to assign real resources and ask for headcount. And it's a lot of work to communicate one-on-one with maybe hundreds of people and to, and to stimulate them. But then once you get them activated, um, the internal cost probably goes down as the benefits go up. And then it's, and then it's that flywheel Yep, it's a sleeping giant. It really is. Um, let's, <laughs> let's know, they're, they're out there. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're out there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, even even with our own clients, I think this is so overlooked, and um, we're we're trying to we're trying to get them to focus on that. Let's talk now about your own marketing and the extent that you all are practicing what you preach. How does how does Loud Crowd harness its own your own community to generate user-generated content? I mean, it's interesting because we, like, I like to call it, uh, we drink our own champagne. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the that same thing that we... Than, than eating your own dog food. Exactly. I don't eat, I don't <laughs> eat dog food. I drink my own champagne. Um, much better, yes. And, <laughs> much better. 
Um, I, I will say, so I've been marketing to marketers for years and I feel like sometimes, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. And so you have to be real. And what we're saying and telling our clients about best practices and here's where we've seen really great success uh, with other companies and such, we're doing the same. And so we've got a, a, a kind of a gift box that we're giving out that is for our loud crowd, you know, um, getting somebody to comment about us on LinkedIn brought in like five leads the other week. And all he said mm -hmm. was something about his experience working with us. And then boom, we're sending out t-shirts. That's a tie dye kit. And we've got, you know, confetti and we make it fun. And it's just, and it comes with a card that says, you know, practice what we preach, tie dye your shirt, tag it on Instagram, put it on LinkedIn. Uh, we would love to see the UGC. Um, and so it's just kind of, morphing that that fluidity we see on from b2b marketing to b2c marketing it's a it's just fun and then we kind of get to go back and forth and we get to use what consumer brands are doing and use it uh, in the b2b world too because especially as marketers you know it's just having a cheerleader that says that was an incredible program you ran you brought in 500 additional people like which increases your audience share by 3 million like mm -hmm. good job that's incredible like we're we're we at Labcar are here to celebrate you because you nailed it and so it's the same thing on UGC like if somebody posts a beautiful picture that's on brand and something that you'd want to share to your audience like tell them hey this is great you did a beautiful job amazing post we would love to repost it and then all of a yeah. sudden you've got you've got something to post and you didn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, and your customer is now can't wait to come back. <laughs> Maybe you could even hire some of those people, huh? Send them to HR. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't man. rule that out. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. Coming this soon. Is our next, coming this is the soon. next person on our marketing team. Maybe. Um, yeah. So now I want to. Um, you mentioned something there really interesting that you actually tracked one LinkedIn. You you attributed five leads to a LinkedIn post. So that that must mean there is a very accurate degree of measurement going on here. Can you just tell us a little bit about how that's done? Oh, man, you're going to maybe love, hate this, but it was just in conversation. I saw okay. the CEO of RiderWare mention y'all on LinkedIn we want to do what RiderWare is doing. They are out of Australia and they are ahead of the game when it comes to UGC. And so there was another company who is plays in the same space. And so they said something about that. And then we had somebody, you know, because LinkedIn now, if you comment, now it's on my post. So it's, mm -hmm. hey, Lacey, I saw this consumer brand mention you. Um, what is it that y'all are doing over there? And so that one is all anecdotal. Uh, that one okay. is just you know, talking to prospects and saying, where did you hear about that? Um, and seeing I, there's, I do have a very strong uh, analytical process with uh, GA, HubSpot tracking that mm -hmm. I've set up. So I do see some of the LinkedIn traffic. Um, and based on the day, three of them, we were like, it's that post because he had so many followers when he mentioned us mm -hmm. it just all the eyeballs exponential yeah yeah i mean t typically when you see those spikes in ga i mean and and you can correlate or you can just overlay that with uh with those events there's no doubt 
I have to believe though uh, that that's in the product roadmap maybe for you guys, uh, like taking that next oh. step for, for attribution analytics. I mean, yeah, you know, as a marketer, we all want to solve multi-touch attribution, right? And so yeah. we already have people asking us, you know, let's tie the revenue right in there. I want to see that this UGC post, you know, went all the way to 10,000 purchases of X product. And so that is already where our brains are, right? Because right now it's kind of the earned media space. It's the attaching revenue to something that hasn't historically had revenue attached to it. But then it's just making it a performance marketing, making sure you can pull that lever and see exactly what happens. I asked for UGC on Halloween. Here were the brand guidelines and boom, mm -hmm. here's the spike. We saw $1.8 million in revenue just from that campaign. Yeah. Well, then you just, don't you have to give all of those, don't you have to give all of those people then some sort of an, a link, I mean, a tag link with, with, um, like with, with the UTM tags or something, or is there an easier way to do it? So that's kind of, it's interesting. We do, um, we do have a link scenario, not really like affiliate links. Um, what mm -hmm. we've seen with affiliate based programs is you have 10% who are just killing it and 90% who, you know, got frustrated with the link. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's more about kind of the tracking and cooking and database and then making sure all of your systems are talking to each other. So you can really follow that customer journey. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Now I want to, I'm going to transition over to my impression. I'm on your homepage right now and I see that there is a few different, a few different classic SaaS motions going on, a product led growth where there is a free trial start. I can see the request demo, which is probably going to put me in touch with a salesperson. I see this really cool thing called a benchmark tool, compare your UGC performance. And I went through that and I did that. And I got pretty awesome, like an infographic thing coming back at me. Um, and I didn't even have to give you my email for that. I guess that you meant to, you meant to give that away for free, right? Yes. Um, you didn't even have to put just, my email. You know, as a as a marketer and knowing, sometimes I'll give you my email address because I, I like the content enough. I want to be involved, whatever. But most of the time, I'm going to do whatever I can to skate by that. And so mm -hmm. I'm all about giving things away for free and we're a growing brand, you know? So I want you to go to the benchmark page. I want you to understand where you are, how you can grow. I've got best practices per industry over there. It's a mm -hmm. really cool tool. And that's just, that's just for you. Um, if, if it ignites something in you and you want to talk to us and now like, let's engage on the product side, like let's do it. But everybody mm -hmm. needs a benchmark. I mean, I've been asked about benchmarks my entire career. I, I sat in a meeting with the entire executive team where I tried to pull up what my content was doing and with the revenue it was bringing in. And it's just, what's the first question we always get asked? Well, how does that compare to the industry? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I'm yeah. just trying to use my reporting. That's, a, that's so, always a gotcha question, isn't it? <laughs> it is every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this is kind of, it's, it's new, right? This is a, a newer thing to add to your, your toolbox. And so let's yeah. start with benchmarking. You know, when yeah, you're yeah. looking at selling 
talking to the CFO and saying, here's why I want the funds. Here's the budget. Here's what I'm going to do with it. Let's start with, and I've run through the benchmarking tool and it like, I can look at 13% growth just over the next three months. Like, yeah, let's get you there. Let's give you what you need to have that discussion. Yep. I think that this, this report, I did it for a technology and okay. There's the highest performer is Adobe up there in the, in your, in your matrix in, in the, uh, the grid yeah, industry matrix. Um, I, I would only I would only recommend one thing here, which is just a print page button because the marketer oh. that marketer needs to walk into the CFO's office with that. I mean, that's that's sales that's collateral for them to pitch for budget. I think because here are the benchmarks. Here's who's beating us, and nothing uh, nothing gets people more fired up than seeing their competitors uh, ahead of them in something, right? And yeah. I, you know, that, we all. Mm-hmm. we hear about, I want to be the Apple of X or we're the Uber of Y. And so it's also for kind of measuring yourself against somebody that you want to emulate, you know, Um, maybe you want to be the Adobe of clothing. I, you know, I don't know, but it's also kind of seeing what, what uh, your, your friends and foes are doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that because you assume rightly so that user generated content is not the easiest thing to go and get budget for because it doesn't fit earned media doesn't fit neatly in the same boxes as paid media. You've got to go in, you've got to go in with a case. I mean, you've got to make your case and what you've just provided your prospects is collateral to go and make that case. And, um, and that's great. And what I noticed here is that as opposed to the homepage, you're allowing people to go down a couple of paths. You can start a free trial you can probably play with the product and take 14 days and decide if you like it, or you can get the demo if you want to really see the whole thing. And probably you prefer the bigger, the larger companies, more enterprise level to go down that path. But this, this path is even at an earlier stage because you're getting them, you're giving them instant value. And I think this is what so many SaaS companies can be doing and need to think more creatively around. Um, I won't call it a growth hack, but it's close to a growth hack because you're taking all of your insights that you've gathered from different industries across your own customer base and you're surfacing that and you're putting that together and into a nice experience that can be used as internal sales collateral for the marketers to go to the finance people and go get budget and headcount. And, and you're giving it away for free. And then on the back of that, at the bottom, the only call to action is not schedule a demo anymore. That's nowhere on this page. It's just now next step is create your free account. So I, I'm really curious to know how many of the free accounts go through this path, go through this, uh, the, the, the benchmark tool versus go straight into free trial. Do you have any, any stats on that? Man, that's interesting. Over the past week since launching both, it's, like, it's about 50-50. Okay. And it's, it's big brand, small brand. It's kind of everybody um, because you want to get in there and play. And so, yes, if you're Sony, you're going to get in there and you're going to hit the ceiling pretty fast because you probably have a lot of UGC and a lot of segmentation that you want to run. But it's just, if I can get you to that aha moment, if I can get you to that screen where all of a sudden you're seeing how many people have posted about you and the beautiful content they're creating, I mean, like, I, I don't even have to sell it anymore. Like, you, yeah. you got to have more of that. And so 
I think every marketer lives for the company where you can do a free tool that leads you into the aha moment and the power of what it can really do for your team, for your strategy, for your growth. Yeah. I think it would be a really cool A-B test to to send half of your traffic to a page that does not offer the the benchmark tool and just see actually the incremental lift that that benchmark tool provides to your to your free trial starts. There's definitely incremental lift, but it would be a really cool thing to measure how many more free trials are you getting because of that? Because you say 50% of the people choose that as their starting point, as opposed to the free trial. They see that, that lovely infographic and then slip right into the free trial. Um, as well, I would love also to know the conversion rate from the, the, the benchmarks into the free trial. But maybe that's, maybe that's secret sauce. So you don't have to tell me. <laughs> but I'm guessing it's pretty high. Um, well, I was going to ask something else. Also, once people get into the free trial, they've got 14 days. What kind of engagement signals are coming out of that free trial from those early, from those trial users that tell you they're going to stick, they're going to make the first payment, and even beyond that, they're not going to churn in two or three months? I mean, the biggest thing is the number of posts they get per month. Mm-hmm. If you get in there and you don't see anything, it's a different discussion. It's a growth discussion. It's a little bit more of, okay, you, you're going to pay for LoudCrowd, but we also need to make sure you have budget to gift or, you know, get in front of these people. Um, and so that's, that's one side. If they get in there and all of a sudden they're seeing 300 posts they've never seen before, mm-hmm. it's, it's just magic. And that's where it's like, I, I need to see the last thousand posts. I need to see the mm-hmm. last 2000 posts. Um, I need to know what happened in the past year yeah. uh, because that also is kind of that selling point. Can you imagine going to your board and saying like, here's the beautiful screen of all of these things that have happened. Did you know that our mm-hmm. boot like became the sorority boot of the of a rush, right? All of a sudden, mm-hmm. if we just signed somebody because they something they had went viral on social media and they're like, we're not going to let this go. We've got to keep it going. So if mm-hmm. you get in there and you see a bunch of posts and see how people are talking about your brand in a creative and authentic way, you have to have more of it. If you don't see as much of that, it's more, how are we going to get there? How are we going to grow? And that is a little yeah. deeper. And that's kind of the, maybe the extending of the trial. Like we want to make sure you're set up for success with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's see how much, how, like what leverage we can pull right now. So you can see that little bit of growth and mm-hmm. then get deeper into loud crowd. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that there's, there's some people that are, that are just too small. I mean, if you go in there and it's just crickets, then maybe you're just not ready yet. Do you have just a perpetual freemium model for people that, that can still hang around beyond 14 days for free? Not not completely free, but it's heavily, heavily discounted. I mean, $200 okay. a month. And so it's kind of that concept of we want you to be as bought in as we are because we are going to help. And there is a consultative resource. And so we want to know that it's it's give and take. Everything is is give and take. And so we do ask for that that mm-hmm. not at low monthly fee. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to ask you um, more of a complicated question, which is how these signals that, that you're 
pulling out of your product, especially in the 14-day trial period, and other enriched enriched data that you might get, like the, the, the company name, you know, whether you're getting that directly from the the prospect or the trial user or you're enriching it with a tool. How does that data feed back into your acquisition marketing? And let me let me describe the question a little bit more. If your acquisition marketing is about getting free trial starts and that you put a certain uh, estimated value on those free trial starts, some of them are, are going to be the small guys that hear the crickets and it, they probably should, maybe they should get a little bit bigger and come back. And then other guys are going to be huge companies, big brands that are going to have that aha. Oh my God, look how much money we've been leaving on the table. Um, you want you want those paid you want those paid ad dollars to be targeting the the big fish the big brands with the with a lot of activity and you want that to be your conversion you want google ads facebook ads to be aiming at that conversion and and using all of its ai powers to get you more of those kind of customers so you need to be feeding that data into the ad platforms are you doing that Oof, man. I mean, that is... Sorry, I know. I, I warned you it was going to be so a much tough. fun. I know. And it is. And it's interesting. Um, so just like when our customers engage with LoudCrowd, they will um, upload customer list, affiliate list, influencer marketing list, um, you know, customer who uses coupon list. Like there's all kinds of segments that they're doing. And mm-hmm. we we are essentially doing the same thing. So... One thing I do want to say is the free trial, the benchmark tool, these pieces are, you know, let's get into the weeds on just what marketing needs to do and help with. This is to keep churn at a complete minimum because we're going to have people who are enthusiastic, people who want to do this, or our sales team is so great. They get somebody super excited and it just doesn't work for their brand. And we just, we don't want to see those churn numbers. We don't want to get people in here and then they aren't happy and they go. And so that's all about setting this up is about mitigating churn and making sure people have enough knowledge to know I'll be successful with this or I won't. So on Mm -hmm. that side, that's the inside baseball with kind of having that customer journey on the analytics side and feeding that into kind of our digital marketing. I mean, it is, it's just scary how well you can segment in Facebook or Google analytics. And right now, what we are really focused on is reaching the market, getting them to come to our website, and then I'm remarketing to them. Mm-hmm. And so those have been our strongest conversions. Um, we also, you know, go out and different, um, we've seen various um, countries who do better, or, you know, there's an age group situation. As you can imagine, um, marketing a Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, like a social media software gets a lot of very interesting 20-somethings who want to be an influencer trying to register for your product. So we've got to make sure mm-hmm. we get those guys out of there. Um, yeah. the negative key, my negative keyword list is probably is far stronger and longer than my actual search keywords that I'm going after because you have to be so specific. We don't want you thinking that this tool is to get 5,000 Instagram followers overnight. You know, we're not, we're not playing in that field. And so I've got to keep those guys out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just the segmenting within Google Analytics and even Facebook 
as, as eyeball deep in those weeds as I can get to help make sure we're having the right, right conversations. Yeah. I think that also there's another theme here, which is just you're capturing first party data very, very early in the life cycle. You're capturing first party data prior to a free trial start. And this is gold. And I think a lot, this is also, I think a great lesson for a lot of SaaS companies, because we are moving towards a world very quickly where third party cookie data is not going to be there for us anymore. And we as marketers have to try to extract more information voluntarily from our users as early as possible. The better we do that and the easier we can feed that first party data back into the Googles and the Facebooks, we're going to have a, we're going to have a killer competitive advantage because we're going to, it's hard to do. And the first people that do it well are going to have a huge advantage. So you're asking for how big is your audience? And, and the industry benchmark is saying, in, in, in my example, it's telling me your, your expected performance is 486 mentions. Actual performance is 1,810 mentions. And that, that is actual first-party data that I have given to you. And it's just an estimate, but that can predict. That's data that can maybe even predict my lifetime value if, if you actually have enough of that and you can do some machine learning on top of it. And then you bring that predicted lifetime value back into the ad platforms and say, you're, not, you're, no, longer, you're no longer targeting my free trial start. You're targeting this, this thing. And, um, and then just let it, and then just get out of the way and, you know, let those, let those AIs, those, those robots do their thing. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You know, I I think right now, one of the clickbait, uh, headlines is third party data is dead and the apocalypse Google get rid of getting rid of third party data. And it's not as imminent as that, but we do tell clients like get ahead of it get Mm -hmm. really strong on the UGC side. And then when the third party data goes to the wayside, you're already in, you're so deep into first party data. You're not even going to notice it. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think, you know, we, we had a conversation with one prospect who was like, I would love to stop giving Mark Zuckerberg my money and give that to my customers. And a hundred percent. Well said. (laughs) That's exactly what we all want. Isn't it? Can you imagine the power Mm -hmm of sending uh, a 20 pack of whatever you have for free to directly to a customer rather than giving the equivalent monetary equivalent to Facebook. Like mm-hmm. let's change the mindset a little bit. I mean, we love conference swag. Let's just start with how easy that is. Like let's shift yeah. some of those dollars to those first party conversations. And then we're prepared when, yeah. when it goes away. I don't know that it's actually going to go away. Um, I think Google came out and said, we're going to take it away and then realize how much money they would lose. So yeah. we will see, but they, we're still going to preach. The they kicked the can <laughs> down the down the road by extending it out another year. I think at some point they're going to be forced to do it. And, and I think Apple's influence is, is part of this. I think Apple might might have... Well, what, what Apple just did to Facebook, I think they flexed a little bit over to Google and said, now you're next. And Google said, nope. Now we're going to proactively announce that we're taking third-party cookies off of Chrome. I think they're going to have to do it. They don't want to do it. They're going to try to have enough time to replace it with this thing called Flock, this, these, these uh, cohorts. But Flock is going to be flawed in the beginning especially, and they need the first-party data to fill in the gaps of their own data because they're going to go from a single user with a cookie to a group of users that have, I guess, some similar characteristics. But that's still... 
worse. I mean, that's, that's still more imperfect. And that's why Google is saying we need your first party data to help us fill in our gaps in our own flock data. And the first advertisers to do that well are going to have a big advantage, I think. And that means that you, just like you all are doing, ask people to come into an experience where you're going to provide instant value and ask for information. How many followers? What kind of audiences do you have? Um, we're, telling, we're asking for this not because we want to invade your privacy, because we want to make our product better for you. We want to be able to provide you a more custom experience. So the more you give us now, even before you start the trial, the better we can make your trial. So I think uh, that users are starting to understand this trade-off, and I don't think that it's hurting conversion rates anymore. When you ask people to give you, you know, go through several steps of providing you information um, so that you can have a better experience during the trial and that product can work better for you. And we're seeing right. this in B2C, first of all. I mean, look at all these different fitness apps. They're asking you, well, what is your height? What is your weight? Um, are you a smoker? What's your diet like? Um, this is all this is all golden first-party data, and it's not hurting conversion rates because I go through that very willingly, knowing that the product is going to be more suited for me at the end of it. Exactly. And I mean, it's as simple as I don't want to see some weird ad that has nothing to do with me. At the end of the day, the yeah. advertisement's going to be there. It might as well yeah. be directed towards what I like. I think this, that's at just- Facebook's uh, last marketing summit, that was a couple of months ago, it said something like, um, and I think they, they were speaking to Apple here. Like, uh, okay, if you want us to, if you want us to, if you if you want to opt out of Facebook tracking, that's fine. You all you're doing is agreeing to see worse ads, but you're still going to see ads. That's, exactly. I mean, you're not. I mean, you're not going to wipe away the ads here. You're just going to start seeing worse ads. The billboard is still on the highway, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You can't unsee it. Well, Lacey, this has been great. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you or is there anything else that, that uh, you'd like our audience to know? Oh, man. To, I mean, this is, just, this is just fun. And I am going to use a little bit of this to do my 20-second video for LinkedIn and talk about my experience today. Um, great. So, I, you know, I, it's great. It's content for me as well. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for spending the time with me. Uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for your post. And um, where can people find you online and, and where can they go to, to learn more about LoudCrowd? Oh, man. So at LinkedIn, I'm LinkedIn slash Lacey, L-A-C-E-Y, V as in Victor Miller. Um, and honestly, from there, you're going to see LoudCrowd all over the place. So just check it out, follow it through, and we're at loudcrowd.com. Awesome. Thanks again, Lacey. Good luck to you and uh, hope we stay in touch. Yes, thank you, Paris. This has been amazing. All right, bye. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about SaaS growth marketing, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P, dot online. Have a great day.